We bless the Lord God Almighty for the wonders of his love and grace, for his sustaining grace. We thank him for life. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And let me take the opportunity to welcome everyone on the platform as we begin today's Antioch Bible study. A prayer is that the spirit of the living God will expound the mysteries of the kingdom of God to each of us. That we may walk away from here empowered to live the life to which we have been called so that the glory of God will come down in our world. Father, we surrender to you completely. Please take absolute control. You know where each one of us, where we are in our world and what we need to become and then to do all that is in your heart. Take absolute control, thou spirit of the living God, and minister to us individually, all to your glory. For it's in Jesus' awesome name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, we continue our studies in the Gospel of John 15. John 15, verse 7. If you, that's where we ended last week, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is the New Revised Standard Version. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Amen. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ explained very clearly that power and fruitfulness begin with abiding in him. It is when we abide in him 
that his strength makes us strong and we rise above our failings and weaknesses to bear fruit that are in his image. The sustaining spiritual, emotional, and material resources that we need to be fruitful are supplied to us unhindered because we are abiding in him. When we abide in him and his words abide in us, we become true and effective branches that bear fruit, that are products, replicas, that products that resemble the fruit of the true vine. Abiding in him has very powerful and practical implications. Those who abide in him do not suddenly begin to wallow in sin, selfishness, and greed. Instead, they are filled with the compassion of Christ. They go forth to reproduce the life of Christ in others through their own manifestation of self-sacrificing love. So, when we bear fruit, it reveals the nature. That fruit must reveal the nature and character of Christ. Because it's only when we do that that we become the true disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about, you know, bearing fruit, but bearing fruit that resemble Christ. That's when we become his true disciples. Because in the Great Commission, he said, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded. Then our Lord Jesus Christ said, my father is glorified by fruitfulness. It is when we bear fruit that we bring glory to God. Verse 8 says, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so become my disciples. The father is glorified when we bear much fruit that reveal the life of Christ to the world. This is not about small or large congregations, but about the quality of life of the followers of Christ that we inspire, teach, and encourage. When the church is filled with members who commit adultery and fornication, collect bribes, steal and embezzle public funds, that is not the kind of fruit bearing that our Lord Jesus was talking about here. Because the Father is not glorified through any of these. Here are some views from the Sermon Bible. The great teaching of these words is this. Man's greatest power for glorifying God is a life 
of Christ-like action. That's when we glorify God. This is what inspires others to follow Christ. Here is another. The inward life in union with Christ must show itself outwardly in Christ-like behavior and action. All profound emotions must display themselves in action. The inner Christian life has the power to overcome the hindrances to the manifestation of the Christ life. The Holy Spirit mortifies, it puts to death the flesh so that the life of Christ within us can be revealed to our world. That's the whole idea. And here is yet another. This life of Christ-like action is man's greatest power of glorifying God. We may trace this in two ways. A Christ-like life is the strongest manifestation of God to the world. A Christ-like life is the greatest human influence to bring men near to God. Our Lord Jesus proved this when he struggled in the garden of Gethsemane with the cross, which was God's manifestation and still is God's manifestation of his love for man. His call was to reveal it was his call to reveal the nature of God's love through self-sacrifice. This is why the scriptures say in Romans 5, 7 to 8, it is a difficult thing for someone to die for a righteous person. It may even be that someone might dare to die for a good person. But God has shown us how much he loves us. It was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. So we become his disciples when we make disciples that follow our Lord Jesus on this path of self-sacrifice and love, which reveals the love of God to the world. That is how we and those we lead, inspire, or teach, go through and learn the Christ life so we may walk daily in his footsteps, no matter the challenge that life has posed before us. This is how we glorify God on the earth, through our lives. We become branches of the true vine that bring forth fruit and that fruit we bring forth are conformed to the image of the true vine. Now, we must bear in mind that much fruit that our Lord Jesus was talking about is not about numbers alone. It is about the many or the few who strive daily to walk 
in the footprints of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through that inner strength provided to us by the indwelling Holy Spirit. You know, they understand the challenges of conforming to the life image of Christ. And they draw strength. They know it's impossible through human will and wisdom and effort. So they draw strength from the Holy Spirit to hold steady, to stand firm, no matter the challenges that confront them. So, much food bearing is about the men and the women, whether many or few, who bring the light of the life of Jesus Christ to shine in the darkness of this world so that the world will be filled with his light, centered on self-sacrificing love, service with humility, and great compassion, amongst others, that our Lord Jesus manifested while he was here. Now, our Lord Jesus left 11 fruit-bearing branches with a global commission to go and change the entire world through the gospel of the grace of God revealed in Christ Jesus. Abiding in Christ, therefore, gives us that inner strength to lead a life of godliness with contentment so that our lives do not hinder the message we preach. This is something that sounds simple, but tough to do, particularly because we quite often allow the spirit that is in the world to catch us in its grips and create an insatiable appetite for worldly things. Insatiable appetite for worldly pleasures and worldly success. And this is what introduces all manners of carnalities in the church and damages the message of godliness and holiness to the Lord. That witness that is to transform lives is lost. And what do we get after that? It's a religion that lacks the power to change the world. You know, yes, we cannot be there every week at the prayer meetings, at the Sunday services. We cannot be there, you know. But if we don't live the life, all of that will amount to nothing. That's where the challenge is. You see, someone cannot come to you and say, um, um, Jesus changes lives. Jesus changes lives. And then they pause and say to you, do you know anybody he has changed? What is the meaning of that question? I don't see any change in you. That's it. Do you know anybody that Jesus has changed? 
And you and I should be able to say, yes, I do. Me. He has changed me. That's the message that we are to take to the world. That we are men and women whose lives have been changed. And the world around us, because they see us, because they know us, they can testify and say, yes, that is true. I used to know you. Indeed, indeed, you have changed. Our Lord Jesus desires that we become his disciples. But how? The answer he gave is fruitfulness. This is why we must bear fruits that abide in the vine and show forth his life to the world. Through the life we live ourselves. So that we can become an inspiration. It says leadership, spiritual leadership is not by coercion. It's not by command. It's not by decree. No, it's by inspiration. That's why our Lord Jesus Christ is still inspiring us today. You know, you and I know that it's always been said that nobody can give out what they don't have. So it is for this reason that our Lord Jesus chose the disciples to first be with him and after to send them out to shine as light in a world of darkness. That's why it is necessary for you and I to concentrate a great deal on being with him, understudying him, learning from him, so that we can go and live this life at home, at work, in church, anywhere and everywhere, without apologies. And that's why he says to his disciples that love is at the center of fruitfulness and discipleship. Everybody needs to understand love. We've talked about love on this platform repeatedly in both its vertical and horizontal dimensions. John 15 verses 9 and 10. I love you. This is today's English version. I love you just as the Father loves me. So remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. That's it. Our Lord Jesus Christ was saying to them, you know, I didn't do it any differently. I, remain in the, I remained in the father's love by obeying his commandments. So if you want to remain in my own love, you have to follow what I say. So let us look at the bond between the father and the son. How does this really work? This is something we have looked at repeatedly here. Our Lord Jesus defined the love between the son and the father and showed us how he revealed that love to the world in John 14, 31. Here's today's English version. But the world, Jesus said, but the world must know that I love the Father. That is why, Jesus said, that is why I do everything 
as the Father commands me. That's the only way I can show the world that I love the Father. I do everything as the Father commands me. So, when we, when we raise uh, people and try to make disciples for the kingdom of God and for Christ, we have to raise men and women who obey Christ in their lives. If they come to church, uh, participate in the activities, but they don't obey Christ in their life, it is meaningless religion. Because then God cannot abide in them and God, the God cannot use them to change other lives. So our Lord Jesus Christ said love is at the root of this. And it's, can only, it's, it's something that can be manifested, demonstrated, shown. This love for God, it can be shown. He showed us that the way to show that we love God is to do as he directs us. In all things. You see, that's why when you, when you go to counseling and you say to someone, for example, this is what the Bible says, they're like, oh, that means my hands are tied. I have to do what the Bible says. Awesome. That's what it's all about. It's not when you go to somewhere and you say to them, this is what the Bible says, and they're like, doctor. Leave that, leave that matter. Let us leave that. This, this matter is more serious than that. <laughs> so you know that they are not true disciples. Mm -mm, they cannot be. Because two true disciples, they only do all the time whatever God wants. No matter how they feel about it, they still do what God wants. No matter what they think about it, they still do what God wants. So, whatever God directs, whether in the Bible or spoken to our hearts through the communion of the Holy Spirit, we do it. That's why sometimes people don't understand, you know, why you are, you are acting in a certain way, as if you're a fool, as if you don't know that uh, uh, these people don't really um, uh, care anything. But they don't realize that you're under control yourself, you see. You're under control, so you can't do otherwise. It's what the controller is dictating. That's what you're doing. I keep using Peter's example, you know, because if he had thought about what the Judaizers in Jerusalem would, would say, he wouldn't have gone to the house of Cornelius. But he couldn't be bothered what they said. God said to go to Cornelius, go to Cornelius, I go. That is what it means to be a disciple. No matter the opposition, no matter those who, who will agree or disagree, you know, we do what God says. Anyone who desires to bear fruit and be a disciple of our Lord Jesus must love and obey God in all things. That will provide the spiritual sap, enabling us as branches to bear much fruit that abides. People whose lives are centered on Christ and who know that their primary loyalty is to Christ. Some studies have been done over the years about fruits that abide. You know, it's amazing, you know. You, 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 you come 
people everywhere. But none of them is living the life. You know, they, they beat their wives or beat their husbands or, or all kinds of all kinds of mayhem is going on in their lives. You know, unforgiveness, you're telling them you need to forgive. Said you, we don't understand. Yet the master said, when you stand praying, forgive. If, if you have ought against anyone, when you stand praying, forgive, so that your father will forgive. He said, if you bring your, your, your offering to the altar, and there you remember that someone has ought against you, leave your, leave your gift there. Go first and be reconciled. And then you can come and offer your gift. In other words, it's not about uh, offering and tithe and all of these things. If you cannot, if you and I cannot follow what Jesus is saying, then it doesn't make any sense. So our Lord Jesus had 12 men disciples. The son of perdition, Judas Iscariot, fell away. So you can say that that is 90-something percent retention. Some people reckon that the apostle Paul was next in raising fruits that abide. We read about this in 2 Timothy 4, verse 10. Paul said, Demas, Demas fell in love with this present world and has deserted me going off to Thessalonica. Christians went to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. There will always be the likes of Demas who go straight back to the world without apologies. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I listened to a young man's testimony at a gospel meeting. He said, you know, we were enjoying in the world. I was like, really? <laughs> so, so now what are you doing in, 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 in here? You're suffering. You know, you can see an element of regret. I said, what type of testimony is that? So a man sees the, the horrors of his past life as enjoyment. Something is still wrong. Something is still wrong. You see? He's not repenting in dust and ashes. Grieved about wasted years of his life. So when people look at people who are in the world with longing, with regret, then something is fundamentally wrong. And sooner or later, they will be drawn back to the world. They used to tell us um, to always remember that if you are standing on the table and somebody is standing on the ground, okay, if you try to pull him up and he tries to pull you down, it's easier for him to pull you down than for you to pull him up. And that's why you are warned that, uh, you know, when you're trying to reach people and you find that they're dragging you back to the world, ah, you better leave them alone and uh, 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 concentrate on building up yourself. Before you know where you are, you are back in the world with them. The Apostle John called some of them enemies. Enemies, or perhaps we may call them infiltrators who could not stand the heat of godly life. First John chapter 2, verse 18. My children, the end is near. 
you were told that the enemy of Christ would come. And now many enemies of Christ have already appeared. And so we know that the end is near. These people, now here's what John said. These people really did not belong to our fellowship. And that is why they left us. If they had belonged to our fellowship, they would have stayed with us. But they left so that it might be clear that none of them really belong to us. That's why sometimes you wish that the people who really don't want to follow God can leave so that they stop confusing the world and, and putting up standards that confuse those who want to walk, live, live for Christ. If you're sure that you really don't want to live for Christ, why, why pretend and confuse uh, uh, that's what, that's what you, they used to say that when, when people who professed Christ were so few, they made so much impact because over 80, 90% of them were sincere, but not anymore. The challenge is not with these who left or the likes of Demas. The challenge is believers who are in the church, but live their lives like unbelievers. That's where the problem is. That's where the problem is. To these, the Apostle Paul addressed in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be fooled. Bad companions ruin good character. Come back to your right senses and stop your sinful ways. I declare to you, to your shame, that some of you do not know God at all. That's it. They're in church, but they don't know God at all. Many years ago in our church, we had an employment bureau in the church to assist Christian entrepreneurs to hire staff that were proven and dedicated disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. For a while, it worked very well. And everyone that was sent was like a, an ambassador. But then, suddenly, <laughs> cracks began to appear. And we began to get reports of staff hired through the bureau who betrayed the trust and did criminal things. It was so terribly shattering that you couldn't say, this is a, a brother. No, he will serve faithfully. He will be honest. He will be a man or woman of integrity. He will not join the multitude to do evil. Amen. You couldn't say. Proven fruits are men and women who profess Christ as their Lord and Savior and go forth to lead godly lives in their world, which reveal the character of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Holy Spirit makes love for God the solid foundation of consistent godliness. You know, many, every one of us, we need to understand why love for God is the, is the real powerhouse of godliness. Because, you see, when you love God from your heart, you know, you have to obey him. You have to do as he says. 
As, as a result of that, your choices are made for you. Only what will glorify God. Only what will please God. Only what God wants. And that's how, because that is your priority. Those are your conditions. Those are your parameters. You find, you discover that you are, you are, you are living a godly life just because you love God. Not because you said, I want to live godly. Oh, no, you set off to love and obey God. And then a godly life appeared as a result. That's the way it works. Because that love, love is very powerful. Because when temptations come and you sense, God is going to be offended with me and I can't afford that. Oh, yes. I can't afford God to be offended. So I have to clear and declare everything I do from him so that he won't be offended with me. Of course, you know why. Because the greatest uh, protection a man can have in his life is the presence of God. It was the devil that told us that. He said in Job chapter 1, you put a hedge around Job. That's why we can't touch him. That's it. That's the greatest defense and protection. The God's presence. You know. That's why David was so afraid after his adultery. He said, don't, don't, don't take your spirit from me. You know, I want to continue to stay in your presence. Now, our Lord Jesus stated in verse 10, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. This is the model for spiritual life and fruitfulness. So let us, let us uh, take a moment to look at that joy of Christian living. If you obey my commandments, verse, verse 10 says, you will remain in my love just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love, verse 11. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So what exactly is he saying to you and I? He said, through obedience, we abide in the love of Christ. That is the pattern. That's the way it works. The son obeyed the father and so remained ever in the father's love. This scripture also teaches us that if we don't continue to obey Christ, God's pattern in love will not reside in our hearts for the assurance and reassurance that gives this very vital sense of belonging. You know, when a man, you know, says, oh yes, I belong, I belong to God, I belong to God. And then God says, sit, sit down, you stand up, turn right, you turn left. Soon you will lose the assurance of your salvation. That's what it's all about. Soon. Disobedient children will soon lose their sense of being loved, even though the father waits to embrace and reassure them if they genuinely repent. That's the story of the prodigal son. If he didn't make that statement, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no more worthy to be called your child. Make me like one of your servants. So he was determined to turn around. 
So when people don't understand genuine repentance, then they don't understand the love of God because they think that God will continue to bless you if you live anyhow, do anyhow. Think again. The, the story of the prodigal son say, shows us how it works. The, the son had to genuinely repent and turn around. Ah, then the father embraced him. Lots of people are teaching that grace doesn't require any of that. It has covered everything. I don't know where they get that from. Really, seriously. What this means in effect is that if we lack assurance in our relationship with Christ, we should check our obedience to Christ. If you sense that God is not close, he's not answering your prayers, he's not giving you the assurances you need when you face challenges, check your obedience. That's what Jesus is saying. Check your obedience. Are you doing as he says? Next is the joy of our salvation that drives away all manners of depression. You know, the joy of salvation is something that, that you have that in spite of your world, no matter how it is, whether it's going up the mountain or going down the valley, you know, you, you still have joy in the Lord because you have a quiet confidence that no matter what is happening, you know, God is in control of it. So when we walk daily in love, and obedience to God and his Christ, we discover a joy that abides from that inner realization that the spirit of grace is active in our soul, conforming us to the image of Christ. That's it. So he's using whatever situations around me to teach me to be like him who loves me and went to the cross for my sake. King David knew this joy when he wrote in Psalm 4, verse 3. said, remember that the Lord has chosen the righteous for his own. And he hears me when I call to him. He said, tremble with fear and stop sinning. Think deeply about this. When you lie in silence on your beds, offer the right sacrifices to the Lord and put your trust in him. Verse 6, there are many who pray. Give us more blessings, O Lord. Look on us with kindness. But the joy that you have given me is more than they will ever have with all their grain and wine. When I lie down, I go to sleep in peace. You alone, O Lord, keep me perfectly safe. That's it. There is a quiet confidence that in God that gives joy assurance, gives confidence, you know, no matter what is happening, you have a quiet confidence that God knows what he's doing in your life. The righteous are those who love and obey the Lord in their lives. They have inner joy and peace from the Lord. When joy is complete, it means that faith has found answers to satisfy the soul. Our faith is energized by love, so we can hold steady with joy until the answer comes. And when the answer comes, joy is complete, for faith has been justified and rewarded. And as we love and obey God daily, we release ourselves so that God can love our world through us. 
What does this really mean? Our Lord Jesus left us with only one commandment, first stated in John 13, 34. And now I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. If you have love for one another, then everyone will know that you are my disciples. He repeats this command in verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. The only way to do this consistently is to yield to God to love our world through us. In that way, we are able to show love to all as led by the Holy Spirit, whether we judge them as deserving or as undeserving. It is God loving them through us. That's why in the final analysis, that love is obedience. That spares us from making judgment calls on the love we show to others. For our love is an act of obedience. You see, you and I should relish that privilege to be spared that all these judgment calls. Because Jesus says, with what judgment you meet, you shall be judged. So here is uh, 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 Brother A. He needs this mouse. So don't give him. He's very careless. Don't give him. You know, if you give him, he will spoil it again. Is that a right judgment? Is that a wrong judgment? I don't get involved in that. Say, Lord, Brother A needs him, this mouse. Should I give him? Yes, give him. He gets it. Those who sit down and be saying, well, I don't think he should be given anymore. That's where you have the problem. You know? But if you and I let him love through us, ah, then we don't have a problem. Don't have a problem. So when we do things as an act of obedience to God, we have this special inner joy reserved for those who delight to do his will. As the scriptures tell us in Psalm 40, verse 6, you do not want sacrifices and offerings. You do not ask for animals burned whole on the altar or for sacrifices to take away sins. Instead, you have given me ears to hear you. And so I answered, here I am. Your instructions for me are in the book of the law. How I love to do your will, my God. I keep your teachings in my heart. No, it is, um, it is so important to, to love to do what God wants so that he doesn't have to push you uh, and I, or hem, hem us in and give us no alternative. All those are kindergarten levels. But after a while, we join the Messiah here. I delight to do your will, O oh God. So, the friends of our Lord Jesus, no one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus said in verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. If you do what I command you. Now, you know Isaac Horton, I think he's called, and Michael Groner or something. I am a friend of God. <laughs> Isn't it awesome? Mm -hmm. But Jesus tells you how you can know you are his friends. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So it's not if you sing their song. Mm -mm. It's if you do what I command you. If you go into your life, always do 
what God commands you. Ah, you, you are a friend of God. So, self-sacrificing love is the basis of true friendship. Friends of our Lord Jesus are those who do as he says. Religion emphasizes what we do in the church. Spirituality is about obedience to Christ. In the church, outside the church, anywhere and everywhere. How does one become a friend of Jesus? Okay? It is by doing what he says, what he commands. And friendship has privileges, indeed. Friendship has privileges. Jesus says in verse 15, I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. Friends have the privilege of inside revelation. You see, when you become a friend of Jesus, revelations will be coming to you to warn you of impending things. It's amazing how these revelations come to, to, to signal you about things that are still out of sight so that you can take care of them before they, they, they emerge. So the first privilege of friendship is the change in status from servants to friends. We learn that he revealed that to them, their status on various occasions. Two will suffice. John 13, 15. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. That's talking about washing of the disciples' feet. Then verse 16, he says, Most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So he was referring to them as servants. Again, he taught in Luke chapter 17, verse 7 to 10. Suppose one of you has a servant who is plowing or looking after the sheep. When he comes in from the field, do you tell him to hurry along and eat his food? Of course not. Instead, you say to him, get my supper ready, then put on your apron and wait on me while I eat and drink. After that, you may have your meal. The servant does not deserve thanks for obeying others, does he? Then verse 10. It is the same with you. When you have done all you have been told to do, say, we are ordinary servants. We have only done our duty. So, in the beginning, he was teaching them as servants, telling them how to behave. So you, you don't come and do all that you're expected to do and you're you are thumping your chest. Oh, 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 you know, I did everything you wanted me to do. Our Lord Jesus said to them, when you do everything God expects you to do, that qualifies you to be an ordinary servant. Some translations say unprofitable servants. But now he says to them, your status has changed from servants to friends because I'm letting you into the secrets of the Father's heart. That's the privilege. That's why we do as he says. That's why we must obey him so that he can let us in and we become friends. It's an awesome, awesome privilege. 
You'll be hearing what others are not hearing. You'll be showing you what others are not seeing. You now have the privilege of knowing the Father for yourself so you can walk in his will and his ways. You see, he, ha I, he has drawn them in to share the intimacy he shares with the Father so that they can become one with the Father through him. That's the privilege of obedience. So what our Lord Jesus is saying to us here is that there is no magic to intimacy with God through Christ. This is the message of John 14, 21. Those who accept my commandments and obey them, they are the ones who love me. My Father will love those who love me. I too will love them and reveal myself to them. And he repeated this in verse 23. Jesus answered him, those who love me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. And my Father and I will come to them and live with them. This is the secret to the abiding presence of God. Obedience. There's no magic to it. And anybody and everybody can do it. That's why you see nobody can come to you and say, oh, you really can't be that close to God. Uh-oh, it's in your hands. Begin to obey what God is telling you in your life. At home, at work, your business, everywhere, anywhere. Begin to obey what God is telling you. You will soon, you'll become close to God. There's no magic to it. There are no special people. Mm -mm. So this is the enduring path to intimacy with God, which we all, all of us can walk that road. And through intimacy, we get to know the heart of God and the things that are important to him. This was why our Lord denounced the leaders of his time in Matthew 23, verse 23. How terrible for you, teachers of the law, and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give to God one-tenth, even of the seasoning herbs, such as mint, dill, and cumin. But you neglect to obey the really important teachings of the law, such as justice and mercy and honesty. These you should practice without neglecting the others. You know? So when we come um, uh, to Christ and we are very interested in the rituals, in tithes and offerings and this and that, but integrity, honesty, you know, on all these things that matter to God, none is found. Then it's meaningless. That's what our Lord Jesus is saying. Blind guides, you strain a, a fly out of your drink, but you swallow a camel. Okay? How terrible for you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of your cup and plate, while the inside is full of what you have gotten by violence and selfishness. Blind Pharisee, clean what is inside the cup first, then the outside will be clean also. How terrible for you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look fine on the outside, but are full of bones and decaying corpses on the inside. The same way on the outside, you appear good to everybody, but inside, you're full of hypocrisy and sins. So this is what our Lord Jesus Christ is saying. That it's not the religion. It's not the outward thing. It's, it's not all the noise. It is the heart. From where integrity, honesty, love, humility, goodness, kindness, 
This is what he's looking for. So as we conclude, it is important to note that there are sure ways to follow God through Christ. Love both, love, which is both vertical and horizontal. You see, you love God, that's the vertical. Then you allow God to love others through you. That's the horizontal. Truth, justice, and mercy. You know, how truth has been sacrificed so much in this country. <laughs> you, cannot, you, can, you, cannot, you cannot see truth and two brothers two and sisters will recognize the same thing. That this is the truth. It doesn't matter how, what we think, but this is the truth of this matter. It's so difficult these days. And that's a shame. Honesty, integrity, faith, and faithfulness. Faithfulness is so, so important so that you can trust people. Bro, keep this for me. And then you go, say a long time, you come back, here's what you gave me. Absolutely. Honesty, integrity, faithfulness. These are the things that God is looking for to change the world with. Humility, meekness, patience. Let us go to him and say, Lord Jesus. Jesus. We are born religion. We are born religion. Let your life shine through me. Let your life shine through me. Say that prayer. That prayer. Oh, God. Oh, God. God. Oh, God. I need to mm-hmm. live the life of Christ in my world. Enough of hypocrisy and, sh- and all kinds of scam. Enough. <laughs> Let me show integrity, honesty, love, humility, kindness. Let me show it at home, at work, in church. Amen. 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 Thank, thank, thank you so much, Doctor. It looks like the heart of the heart of worship, the heart of obedience, the heart of love is obedience. Everything starts. It looks like our worship starts in the place of obedience. We must do it his way. So it begs it's the religion. question. It begs the question: Why is obedience such an issue? Oh, because you see. It takes you out of yourself. It takes you out of your own desires. It takes you out of your own will to do what God wants. And sometimes it may not be convenient. I mean, look at the cross. It was not convenient at all. Our Lord Jesus Christ struggled with it. The Bible said heaven sent angels to strengthen him. Obedience is not always easy. But those who understand it, They know you have to go with God, no matter the cost. That's why the prophet Samuel said to Saul, you are reserving animals, you know, to to bring sacrifice. (laughs) He said disobedience is worse than the sin of witchcraft. So a lot of us, a lot of people don't understand that. That if you don't do what God is telling you, forget religion, who needs it? And so when we are committed to doing what God tells us, then our lives will be pleasing to God. 
And the, 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 the Holy Spirit uses the word, the Bible, to guide us. Oh, you know, the Bible is the Bible has something to say about this. The Bible has something to say about this. And then if, if a scripture will float to your mind, then you take your concordance or your computer and then you search it out. Mm. You read it in context. Mm. That's how we grow. There's no, there's no magic to it. You search the scriptures, you realize something you're doing wrong, which the Bible is against. You, you nod your head in agreement. You change. That is it. Then intimacy with God begins to grow. And nobody can take it away from you. You know, but they can take other things. But this one, this relationship, they can't take it away from you. Unless you allow them. Amen. Then you start following men instead of following God. Uh-huh. So, 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 doctor, what you, from what all you're saying, obedience is not something that's going to happen by default. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, a choice. choice. It's a choice. It's yes. A choice. Yes. You just have and to decide. Each of us has to do what sit God down, wants. sit down, and just decide that it's a cost yes. that we're willing to pay. The price we're willing to pay. Yes, that's the way it works. That's the way it works. And that's why it's for the same reason that um, 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 you may be justifiably, my choice of word, justifiably angry. And yet, the spirit will forbid it. It will forbid it. It will t- t- drag you to forgive and, and show the initiative in, 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 in uh, offering your forgiveness. That's when you know you obey God. When the, when the spirit compels you to do what you are not inclined to do, that's when you know you really obey God. A lot of people will say, well, you know, most of the time, God tells me what I want to do. Okay. <laughs> I will question that. You know, if, it, if that's the only thing that God tells you, always what you want to do. I will be so surprised. Because it doesn't sound like, uh, you know, uh, uh, what we see in the scriptures. You know. So, so please pray for us that each of us will take out the time. Like, you know, Jesus said, unless we first sit down and count the cost. Yes. That, that we will each just take that time out to count the cost of being true disciples, the cost of obedience. Well, then let us, let us realize that this is the heart of the matter. No, religion is not the heart of the matter. This is the heart of the matter those who bear fruit because they obey Christ in their lives. Father, you know where each of us are, you know, where we are individually on this road of doing what God wants all the time. You know where we are. You know the level to which we have progressed. Lord, you see the heart. As many of us have this as desire to really walk this path today, Holy Spirit, release upon us a special grace that we may have the inner strength to do what you want. Amen. No matter the circumstance, no matter the situation. Amen. To the end that your name will be glorified through us and we will truly become fruit that abide. Lord bless everyone that you have touched this evening 
And may the light that we carry increase in intensity in our world. So that the world around us will see and know Jesus through us. Amen. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you. So for those who have serious challenges in their lives, no matter what they may be, please, may your grace be sufficient for them. Amen. We break every oppression. We deliver men and women from every sickness. Be loosed. And let the life of Christ free you from all bondage. Amen. For in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, doctor.